even when things are not favorable, or we have opposition by way of persecution, and uh, the mind and the soul get attacked with doubts and fears, because it's a trial, it's a time of testing. The Lord says, blessed is he who is not caused to stumble, offended because of me. When things don't happen soon enough for us, when things are pending that we're waiting for, when Satan comes and he causes us to look at the shaking around us, the storm, the wind, the waves, That's the time in which he will come with suggestions to make us not take the path of standing with Jesus. And the Lord encourages these disciples of John the Baptist to go back to their teacher and tell him the outstanding signs and wonders that are benefiting the people of that day. These physical miracles, but also the good news to the oppressed people is being preached to them. Real hope. And it's our privilege and duty to keep our eyes fixed on the mighty works of the Lord God. Because if we lose that, then we won't be able to have a reference point to gain strength when things aren't happening for us personally around us fast enough. John the Baptist was given word from the Lord Jesus Christ to not stumble, not be offended, not get downcast or disillusioned. Many messiahs have come in this world. Before Jesus came, there were people who called themselves and projected themselves as Mashiach. The people looking for a savior fell for false Christ, false messiahs. They promised liberty. They said, we're going to take it by force. And they tried to lead a revolt against Rome and the powers that be. And ended in disillusionment and disaster. After Jesus, also, the Lord said there will be false Christs saying, look, he's in the desert, look, he's over here. The Lord said specifically, don't believe those lies. To find the true Messiah in a world full of false messiahs 
is such a relief and such a cause for hope. We have found the actual Messiah. The Messiah, meaning, as we know, the anointed one, the one actually sent from God to be the Redeemer. We found the actual one. Many people follow follow false messiahs. And their hope is built on sinking sand, but we have hope built on the rock. John the Baptist was wondering, are you the one that's supposed to be Messiah, or should we look for someone else? He had a question, and he sent his disciples, his followers, to go and find out from Jesus. And God ordained it that at the same hour, these miracles happened, and the Lord used that to back up his claim. He is the Messiah. And John the Baptist was to witness that from his associates, disciples. And then the Lord says, blessed is he who is not offended. Because of me. The devil can try, and he will try, to come to anyone and everyone to try to make them doubt God. We're given this word from Jesus that if you see the works that only God can do through me, believe me for the work's sake. And as we often point out, the works and wonders from God, the way we know that they are not lying signs and wonders, because Satan has a counterfeit. Counterfeit doesn't mean that there's no power. There's actual power also. There are people who do fake miracles in the sense of there's no power at all. It's simply trickery. Nothing's happened, but it's passed off as being authentic when it's not. Then there are actual miracles, but the source is not from God. It's a magic from Satan. And again, magic not meaning that it is an illusion, it's actual. He has powers. But the difference between miracles and signs and wonders that come from the living God and those that come from Satan, lying signs and wonders, as the Bible says, is that the first class of miracles, signs and wonders, coming from above, will lead people to worship and follow God. The other ones will take them away from God. When the messengers of John had departed, verse 24, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? You went there to the desert areas. What did you want to see? You see reeds that are there. And what happens when the wind comes? Why they begin to move, they begin to shake. He said, when you went to the wilderness... Did you go to see a reed shaken by the wind, a man shaken by the times, by popular opinion? 
seeking people's favor for his own comfort and protection. Did you go to see someone who was wishy-washy? Someone who was compromising, a compromiser? Did you go to see a reed shaken by the wind, by the times? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled, or luxuriously, live in luxury or in king's courts. This man didn't seek his comfort, his convenience, and even the basic things that others had. He actually, under the direction of God, he gave it up because he was the herald of the Son of God. He was the one. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What is a prophet? And what constitutes a great prophet? And why is John the Baptist the greatest prophet? A prophet is one who is the mouthpiece of the living God, like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Abraham, David. These are all prophets. They spoke under the inspiration of God, the exact word of God. There are times in which they told of events before they happened. Also, such as we see in this chapter, just before this section, when the Lord raised the dead young man who was being carried in that coffin with that beer, B-I-E-R, which is a frame or the coffin and its base, they're carrying this, and he gave life to the dead man, delivered a dead man back to life to the mother to whom Jesus said, don't cry. He raised the young man. And the people had this tremendous awe, this fear came upon them, and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen up among us. Why did they say that? Did Jesus predict something there? Did he say that in 40 years this is going to happen or tomorrow? No, they saw a miracle and they understood that prophets in the Old Testament time such as Elisha, Elijah, his predecessor, they were characterized by supernatural power which enabled them to do signs and wonders, including healing. Not every prophet, but the people understood that this man has this prophetic mantle because he just raised a dead person. 
certainly they would have associated that with Elijah and Elisha. Of course, this very area, Nain, is the vicinity where Elisha passed through. And hundreds of years earlier, miracles were performed by that prophet. So they had that historical link. Now, John the Baptist did no sign, no wonder. He didn't make the blind to see. He didn't make the lame to walk. He didn't cleanse lepers. He did not give hearing back to the deaf. He never raised the dead. But he did introduce the gospel, the Messiah of the gospel. It was not his calling. God didn't call. It was not that John the Baptist was diminished or he lacked some prophetic ability. He was a prophet and Jesus said so. He was not called to do signs and wonders. But he's the greatest prophet because he is the one that pointed out the Son of God to the world. When you look at his life, Jesus said, did you go to see a reed shaken by the wind? Well, we can know that this John the Baptist, as is written in Malachi, came in the spirit of Elijah, and that man was a rugged man, not just physically, externally, but internally. He was rock solid. He was a man of no compromise. He was not a reed shaken by the wind either. So what makes this John the Baptist different? Is it because he lived an ascetic lifestyle? Because he refused to be clothed in soft garments? Again, Elijah was clothed in rough exterior apparel. Many of the prophets were by themselves, essentially. And they did not look to their own convenience or comfort. So what makes John the Baptist different? Is it that why, is, it that, the, is that the reason why Jesus said he's the greatest prophet? It can't be because others were like that too. He didn't do any miracles even like they did, some of them. He stuck to the mission like they did. He was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. We don't read that about any other prophet. However, he was the prophet who baptized God's Son to fulfill all righteousness. Other prophets were holy. Other prophets actually did miracles, which John never did. Other prophets lived an ascetic lifestyle. They bore the cross. They were persecuted. There were those who also died for the faith. And yet Jesus says, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is 
greater than he. But he's the greatest prophet born of a woman, a human being. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost. He was not naturally conceived. It is a supernatural creation of a body. As it's written, Jesus says in the prophets, a body you have prepared for me. Lo, I come in the volume of the scroll of the book is written of me. A body you prepared for me. So this is speaking of all other prophets other than Jesus Christ, who is not just a prophet, but he's the son of God, God himself. The Lord says, John the Baptist is not a greater prophet born among women than this man. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John the Baptist lived by faith. He had a vital saving relationship with the living God. But there's a kingdom of God that Jesus brought which is the new wine. John the Baptist represented the old wine. There's a transition. We are privileged as we see this contrast to have access to all kinds of supernatural revelation from God. An ongoing and continuous download from heaven. And kingdom work that will far surpass the geographical boundary that John the Baptist was restricted to. And for that matter, just about every other prophet. The kingdom of God has opened us up in these last days. To be born again, be part of God's army, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth with signs and wonders as you walk the holy way before him. The revelation of God is far superior in its multifaceted and multitudinous quantity. You think about that. First Corinthians 12. The various gifts of the Holy Spirit. To these prophets in the old time, they had manifestations, but they did not have access to everything that a child in the kingdom of God has today. When all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John. They heard Jesus say these things about John the Baptist and they were baptized by him. They did the right thing before Jesus came. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves. 
not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, He has a demon. He's strange. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and an excessive drinker, a wine giver, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The world will flatter and they will push and pull to try to make God's people compromise they will have many complaints you don't dance you don't eat you don't drink like we do and then if they find someone who's specifically called by God not to do evil to abuse one's body with any kind of substance but to go as a light in a dark place They have a problem with that too. So the world is not only fickle, but they are flatterers. They will try to intimidate, bring fear. Just like they tried to do with Jesus. They said, you have a devil. They said that God has a devil. And so, Deceived they were, speaking foolishly. So it gives us this great confidence that Jesus said, don't be surprised if the world hates you because it hated me first. It's enough for a student to be like his teacher. We take confidence in that as we do the right thing and mind our business and uh help people as God wants us to. And the world will not like us. This world system. World without God. So God says, don't go by anything that the world says. Don't concern yourself with the world's opinions, people who don't know the Lord. As long as you're following the Lord and doing His will, you're on the right course. But wisdom is justified of all her children. What does that mean? Those who are truly following God's wisdom will show that they are following God's wisdom by their lifestyle, by their actions, by their words. So when the world says that these people are fools, Christians who follow Jesus, Jesus is saying, But my followers, my sheep, they live wisely. They live to please me. And that shows that they're actually the wise ones. And those outside who don't want me to be their Lord and Savior, 
Det är det foolish ones. Praise God. One more thing here. This woman, she came in and she began to wash the Lord's feet with her tears. Can you imagine Jesus reclining there and these teardrops are falling on his feet, literal teardrops. And then the woman begins to take her own hair, begins to wipe his feet of the tears. And then she takes this expensive perfume, expensive fragrant oil, as it says here, and anoints the feet after kissing the feet. She just comes into this situation in the home, this dinner, And she allows tears. How would we react if we were there? Of course, the customers, they didn't have the shoes like we do. They're indoors. The feet are exposed. You feel something wet. The Lord knew everything, but they're watching tears fall on the rabbis or the rabboni's feet. And then she begins to take her hair. It says he washed his feet with the tears while she was weeping and wiped them with the hair of her head. Can you imagine a scene, a woman wiping a man's feet that she has wet with tears, so much so that it says wash the feet. Many tears. Then she begins to wipe the feet with the hair. And then she kisses the feet. This woman's lips Touch the feet of the Lord. And then she anoints those feet, not even the head, the feet, with this fragrant oil. What humility and what worship and respect she shows. This is the ultimate. And all that coming from a woman that the city, the whole city knew. That's the sinful woman, the sinner woman. That's the dangerous one. The Lord didn't do anything to push her away. He didn't recoil. He didn't say anything to get her away. He simply observed and received the worship. And the Pharisees said, if this man were a prophet, that insight, word of knowledge, would know who and what manner of woman This is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. I want to say a word about the statement made earlier regarding prophets in the Old Testament. Never was it opened up to the whole church to have access to all kinds of supernatural wonders and miracles. And also, the scope of knowledge by way of revelation in the grand scheme of God's plan. Paul himself said that. Times past, it was not Revealed. These prophets, they got some here and there, but now we have the whole picture. But how God meant to reconcile Jew and Gentile, meaning the whole world, 
to himself through his son Jesus Christ. And to make from Jews and non-Jews who believe in Jesus one new man. There are many, many things we can say about that which the prophets did not have access to. They had bits and pieces here and there. When we enter the kingdom of God, being born again, receive the Holy Spirit, we have much, much more opened. It's not to say that specific revelation that they got in their day was not the height of God's revelation, but the vast domain that we have entered into, any child of God, the access we have. The Bible says the prophets long to look into these things. They long to be here. Daniel said in the end days, knowledge will increase. Many things we can say about how the least in the kingdom of God is greater than even John the Baptist. Getting back to this, Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Now, feet are wet, it's been dried, uh, anointed with this perfume, Everybody can smell it. They've all, they're all witnessing this. Simon says, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, this creditor forgave both of them. No charge. You don't have to pay. You, you don't have to pay the 500 you owe me, $500 or $5,000. You, you don't have to give me the $500 or $50. Both of you can go. You don't owe me anything. Here, I'm giving you my signature. Nobody's going to harass you for this. You're free. It's such a great relief they would have walked away. Jesus says, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears. Now, tears can be fake tears. They can be a deception, or they can be natural tears with no emotion. It's simply a reaction of the eye. Maybe some foreign object has touched it. Maybe the eyes have been opened too long. The air has touched it, and tears begin to flow. Maybe someone has an allergy. But the Lord is speaking of tears that come from a deep love. That's the difference. You gave me no water for my feet, but this woman, she's expended her heart, and the tears have flowed from her soul to wash my feet. And she wiped them with the hair of her head. The dignity that a woman has with the hair. She gave it all. She came and she humbled herself to the ultimate degree. As far as she was concerned, this sinner woman who received salvation, 
Jesus was the only focus of her life. It's all for him, truly. She didn't worry about her hair, about what people said, about her tears, and all kinds of things that could have gone on. She just came and her heart exploded in love. And the tears came from such a heart. And then she took this hair of her own head. Obviously, while it's attached to her head, she gave her person in the entire act of worship, sweet surrender, thankfulness to the Lord. You gave me no kiss, oriental custom, friendly kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. We all know you have sandals or you're walking on a dusty road. She didn't mind at all. She didn't care about that. She knew this is the Lord who has taken me, even though everyone else has rejected me. And a transformation has happened. You see, it's not just a question of somebody has accepted me, even when everyone has rejected me, and I still... I'm a sinner. There was a change that Simon only knew the history. He didn't know the present reality. Jesus knew. And he made that evident to everyone, including us, to the whole world. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. Notice, everything having to do with the head and the face. But the woman went so humbly to show her extreme love, thankfulness, by doing all this to the Lord's feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Obviously very expensive. All this to my feet. The part that we think is the least, not only conspicuous, least noted, but the dirtiest part for one who walks the road, the open road. There's a total breakdown of anything that she was bound by when she came to Jesus. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, you want to call her the sinner? Of the city? I'll give you that. She has many sins. But they're all forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Now, when you look at the Pharisees, and you look at the prostitute, or the Others, they were notorious, drunkards on the street. The Lord was the one who said in Matthew 23 and elsewhere, these people are really, really bad. They look good on the outside, but they're the worst on the inside. So that's not to say that Simon has less sin, but the whole heart condition. In other words, I'm sitting and having dinner with Jesus. He's my guest, and I'm pretty good. I have clout, and... Yeah, I, I can get forgiveness if he's able to give it. Whatever he has to offer, I'll take it. There's no breakdown. 
of the self, of the pride. There's no recognition that he's everything. Contrast this Simon with Zacchaeus. That man broke down. It's up to us to completely come apart before the Lord and not bring even one ounce of any kind of pride, but just to receive his love. And then, having received the love, there's a reciprocal action from the heart. The overflowing love comes out in adoration. Total disregard for anyone and anything. Can you imagine this? And Christians have a hard time today showing their devotion and affection to God in public places. There's a fear. This woman could have been thrown out of there, maybe stoned. They could have done anything. But she had confidence, my Jesus is watching me. And I'm coming to worship him, to demonstrate my great love for him. Where he is, I'm going to be. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. The action had happened. The repentance had showed itself. The Lord has declared the finality of the forgiveness. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She not only got the catalog of sins removed, as if going to central booking or to the court, all of a sudden there's a reversal. I don't have these things haunting me anymore. These 29 or 63 sins or violations, everything's thrown out. But are you saved? That's just the beginning. Faith, repentance, love, wholehearted worship, a total breakdown before the presence of God in awe brought this woman what no one else had over there in that dinner hall. Especially the man who thought himself to be righteous. Father in heaven, I pray that this word will cause us, Lord, to be absolutely humble before you. That there is no pretense, Lord, no pride. We can get what this woman got, Lord. With such a past, Lord Jesus, you not only forgave her sins, not only pardoned her, but you gave her power to become a daughter of the Most High God, to be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us a simple way to get truly saved and be blessed by you and acknowledged by you, Lord, in front of everyone, even the angels one day. By feeling for our own offenses against you, weeping for them, turning away from them altogether, cutting all ties to evil, and coming to live with you forever. Make you our all in all, our Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. 
We thank you, Lord. Cause this word, Lord, to cause us, in turn, to have sincere affection for you, wholehearted. Never, ever put ourselves above you, anywhere, anytime. Fear no one. Only fear you to love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these magnificent things you've recorded. Helping us, Lord, to know we should never be offended because of you. But always take sides with you to make sure that you're not offended, Lord, by us. To please you, Lord. Holy is the Lord. Help us, Lord, to be like this woman also. And like John the Baptist, resolute. Not caring about what people think. Staying the course with you. And letting everybody know. Once we found the Messiah. Once we know for sure. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Lord of the universe. No other God. We will follow you forever, Lord. And do whatever you say. For this is the true meaning of worship. He that loves me keeps my sayings, keeps my commandments. Lord, we want to love you. Help us to pour out like this woman did, Lord, her substance, her body, her soul, her mind, everything, Lord, as a true daughter of the living God. Cleansed by God and made a child of God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.